Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Lexicon Crypto Show. We are excited that you're here. Today, we are going to jump into, uh, neck deep into uh, the FTX debacle. I believe we're going to take a, a unique angle, at least from what I've seen so far uh, in, in the cryptoverse, though there have been many takes and uh, probably most I have either ignored or decidedly continued to scroll through. Um, but hopefully we could give you a, a perspective and some thoughts uh, from the angle of a bad reactive regulation, really thinking about reactive regulation and how uh, uh, government officials, uh, regulators, and Congress are uh, rattling their swords now, uh, claiming that uh, they need to be acting and do something to to help the, the retail investor. We want to talk about that a little bit uh, today. Before we do that, I'm happy to introduce for the very first time uh, our sponsor of this show, uh, Electo Analytics. Electo Analytics uh, is a leading DC-based software company. Uh, they empower public affairs teams of all sizes to work faster and reach higher. Uh, their scalable software features legislative and regulatory tracking, stakeholder engagement, collaborative project management tools, and more. If you're ready to take your policy work to the next level, please visit electoanalytics.com to learn more. And I can tell you as a user of the platform and of the dashboard, uh, the tool that they have built is very unique in the public affairs and government affairs space. The dashboard that they offer tracking up to the minute uh, reporting from committee votes, um, if if members, uh, leading members of those committees or of houses are releasing press releases or uh, issuing statements, their platform pulls all of that into one singular dashboard. I can simply uh, log in, track for a specific thing. I can track the bills, track their progress, track latest votes. I also can track sponsors, co-sponsors, have direct access to their social media accounts, to their offices. Uh, it's, it is an amazing platform that will save your public affairs team or government affairs team, um, or even just your, your your crypto team who's watching regulation a tremendous amount of time and really help you to be uh, on, on the cutting edge of what's happening. So once again, it's elect- Electo Analytics. We're so grateful for them to be sponsoring us, and we hope that you will uh, visit their website and uh, check them out and learn more. Now, today in the studio, Alex and I want to jump into uh, the FTX debacle, but again, like I said, from the angle of uh, reactive regulation. And Alex, I know that that a lot of times when these things happen, Enron happens, uh, Congress a lot of times reacts afterwards. Very rarely do we see proactive uh, regulation. And a lot of times we see reactive. And I think this is one of those scenarios where over the last couple of days, Congress is blasting FTX. And you see these headlines, regulators get serious. And uh, I'm always saying to myself, like, where were you guys a couple of years ago, right? Like, this didn't just happen overnight. Um, so today, today we want to talk a little bit about uh, this sort of idea of reactive regulation. Yeah, I saw Senator Ron Wyden, who was reelected this year, um, you know, uh, say that oh, there's going to have to be over- oversight, and he's going to call a number of people in for for different hearings, and and he dropped in that quote two of the committees that he's affiliated with, and one that he chairs. So almost suggesting um, those people who really, really care about consumer protection or or other aspects of uh crypto they might have multiple bites at the apple apple and they're going to use not only their bully pulpit but their bully pulpits plural if possible to show how much they care yeah and uh i actually saw just now um maxine waters and patrick McHenry both announced that they were going to be holding in december 
hearings uh, from the Financial Services Committee in the House. Um, so even before the new Congress takes over, uh, they're saying they're they're they want to start investigations and uh, start looking at things. Most most hearings and testimony in Congress is really very lightly attended. Pre-COVID, you could just show up as a member of the yeah. public and walk yeah. right in, and it's a yeah. largely empty room. Not only is the audience uh, sparse, but committee membership is usually sparse. You'll have a few people up there, people coming in, coming out. Uh, so while hearings may sound that like a group is being taken seriously, like when you report that a hearing is going to happen, you know, that sounds like a zing. When you look at the reality of it, um, it, it communicates sort of the, maybe the limited interest in crafting questions to, to do much of anything. Now, I've been very uh, critical of the approach that the SEC under Gary Gensler has has taken towards crypto, and um, and and I've been mostly in favor of the way that the CFTC has been handling it. Though the Uki Dow case, I think, is a could could be called into question. My my point being, you know, I believe that a lot of the action, the regulatory action that Gary Gensler has taken to date, um, shutting down Tornado Cash. Uh, other, you know, uh, other examples which we could go into, have not necessarily been about the 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 perpetrators of these so-called indiscretions, but rather their effort to raise the 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 flag and cause Congress to act, um, and and in an effort to try and highlight specific aspects that they that that they want to regulate or that they want laws to be made about, um, and, and creating sort of a, a environment of reactive regulation. Yeah, I think, um, I know you're a political and government junkie and, you know, intimately involved in this space, but it bothers me in some ways that you even know Gary Gensler's name. You know, sometimes if you're working in a government capacity, you rule number one is you never want to be the story. Um, sometimes the public wants to be able to associate an authority with some sort of a problem solves that something's under control. You know, Dr. Fauci obviously became um, synonymous with government yeah. public health with respect to, to COVID. I think um, Gensler as an individual with opinions is uh, a little bit problematic. He is not an elected official. He is not a constitutional officer in any way. And of course there, there are, opportunities where we want our executive branch to execute and our regulatory agencies are, are there to regulate. But it's never a good idea when it seems like our commissioners or our chairs are just making things up. Yeah. Well, and especially when they are, when it, when it appears that they are taking overt actions to try to get someone else to do something that they want them to do, you know, so the, the way that tornado cash was handled as an example um, was a, was a, they froze accounts. They froze what they knowingly legitimate legal transactions. They 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 went in and, you know, sort of carte blanche, stopped, froze everything, and um and it was done in an attempt to cause such a stir that that there would be some action taken. And I believe when Gary and the team from the SEC did that, I believe it was intentionally to try and get action before the new Congress would come in. That that obviously clearly didn't happen. 
um, the nature of crypto is so bipartisan that uh, it's actually one of the few issues in D.C. that you see lawmakers really collaborating and working together on. Um, it's. Do you think that's because of thing. a sense of inevitability of it? No, I think it's just that it's it, it is truly it's the complex nature and the the vastness of its span. You know, so um, there's even debates about which committee is supposed to be the one or, or which agency is supposed to be the one that regulates it. Is it the banking agency? Is it the CFTC? Are these commodities? Are these um, securities under the SEC? Right. There's a there's even legitimate debate about how to define uh, what a token is. There, there's probably pretty good member to member education going on. And I think I like this idea. Um, sometimes folks talk about uh, members spending too much time in the swamp and not being in their districts. I probably have a contrarian opinion to that where I wish um, U.S. House members spent more time in D.C. getting to know their colleagues. And I am hoping that on this issue, and we can ask some members about this, whether they get together over dinner and say, hey, can you explain Ethereum to me? Um, and I think there's a good chance that that's happening. That's exactly what's happening. I, I, yeah. I know that that's, that is what's happening. That's, I mean, that's, that's actually kind of wonderful because if you think about different committee assignments, everybody can't be experts on everything. And you would hope on certain matters that there's some sort of – I wouldn't say deference necessarily to other members being bigger experts so you vote in lockstep with them. But um, yeah, you know, peers should – uh, educate one another. And if they know a little bit more about something, explain it to their colleague. Yeah. Yep. So, so in, in light of the, so, so all of that to say that what, what seems to be happening with, or what seemed to happen with FTX, which we don't need to rehearse. I know our audience is well aware of that. What has happened over the last you know week or so seems to be playing directly into Gary Gensler's uh, yeah, I, I agree. Objective. FTX has become synonymous with the entire crypto industry. Yes. And I had somebody who knew that we were working on this enterprise and came to me recently and said, hey, I saw this news about crypto. And they almost like trailed off like mid-sentence that what they were really asking was like, how does this affect you? And almost assuming that um, everybody in any way involved in crypto, Web3, blockchain, that, that all of a sudden perhaps uh, it's over. And, yeah, and, yeah. and FTX, we should probably like disclose or <sighs> disclose that we don't have to disclose um, really any conflicts of interest no. or interactions with FTX. None of the, the work that I've done in investment, fintech, um, has necessitated engaging in FTX in really any way. I've never, I've never even had an account uh, yeah, on, me a, on FTX, which is kind of. I haven't avoided it, but I just haven't had to. There, are, I, there are so many yeah. service providers out I, there. Yeah, I just have always just used someone else. I never really um, did it, even though my my propensity towards uh, anything that Tom Brady would recommend would have. <laughs> You would think would have influenced me here, but it it uh, it did not. And oh, that's actually let's talk about Tom Brady for a second. Not only because we're you know New Englanders, but um, there were some reports, uh, some paranoid reports that SBF's uh, Twitter account was being um, zapped of uh, followers, or tweets were being deleted, and, and uh, apparently it was just folks who had retweeted him yeah. had unretweeted and. 
I mean, some of those are going back, you know, months and years at this oh, point. They went through and cleaned them out. Their PR firms got to work on everybody's well, account. See, I, I'm glad that after you said they, which is my least favorite word, there is no they, right? Let's part of our role for you listeners is to uh, demystify yes. who the who's are on this stuff. And you're absolutely right. There are PR firms and it was their job to literally scroll back so. and to disassociate themselves with him. You probably did see though the very awkward TikTok of of Tom Brady in him where he kind of like I think I think it's a joke. Some people didn't get that it's a joke where SBF says where Tom Brady says, Oh, we're gonna do a bunch of TikToks together and he's like, Oh, grown and he's like, I'm a nerd. I don't like being on yeah. camera very much. This isn't my jam. Um, it wasn't that he awkwardly walked away. He was playing the part of somebody who was awkward yeah. about being a telegenic face of a business. Yes. No, I mean, they, yeah. I mean, th- their relationship was clearly... Um, transactional. Was very transactional. And it was just dropped off as soon as the checks uh, stopped coming. <laughs> yeah. Or as soon as the the PR damage was uh, greater than the value of the checks that were being delivered. And, th- and that's helpful in this era of influencers to show how loose relationships are. If you have a t- if you're a celebrity and you have a TikTok video with somebody and you say I'm here with my very good friend. Yeah. My very good friend means this is the first time I'm meeting this person and I'm getting paid. If you're yeah, if you're a serious crypto trader though, I can't imagine a Tom Brady commercial really tipped your hand. Like I I I have a hard time believing that they were heavily influenced um, by by those things. But let's 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 sort of think about a little bit of a, a bigger picture as the FTX thing unfolds. You know, of course, regulators, in order to p- appear that they're doing their job, have to start to say dramatic things. I ha- So I hate all the artifice related to that. Um, what it means is even when they're walking in the hall, when press is around and they're known to be on this committee, they need to like sort of be shaking their heads yeah, and to look like, oh, I'm very upset. I, yeah. I I can't stand that. So do you think that, or, or or let me ask you a different way. Why do you think the SEC sat dormant, inactive? Why do you think the CFTC sat inactive? Why do you think these regulatory bodies, lawmakers, Congress, why are they now upset when it was pretty well known before this that things weren't necessarily all on the up and up there. I don't know if it's the steep learning curve where, you know, government is always going to be a few moves behind the private sector. And in some ways that's by design in America. You know, we have no ex post facto laws. We we are going to be reactive to an extent in terms of how we establish laws and regulations. Yeah. Um, we don't preemptively stifle in, in America for the most part, but when it comes time to enforcing laws, I mean, you can always say that they're short-staffed or they don't have the resources or the expertise necessary to understand even what's happening. And just because government doesn't understand what's happening in in a company, well, they don't they don't get to invite themselves in to be yeah. told what to do. There, yeah. there, there, there are certain disclosures that have to be made by companies, but uh, for the most part, they don't know what's going on behind closed doors, and that's um, not them not doing their job, but that's them obeying other things that limit their access to interfering with the operations of private enterprise. So the personalities of Alex and I uh, are are 
displayed here in this in the answer to this uh, this question. Um, Alex is much more educated. My shirt has buttons, and he's and, wearing a hoodie and diplomatic. Uh, he also is much more fair minded, where I am um, much more cynical and and perhaps tend towards a conspiratorial. Um, and I I have a my answer to this is money, and I have it money on two fronts. One is the very now disclosed, um, disgustingly muddy ties that FTX leadership had to the SEC, mm-hmm. uh, including, you know, of course, the the CEO of Alameda. Her father was the former director of the SEC and the boss of Gary Gensler, you know, previous lives. Um, the, the, the idea that, um, Sam's mom is a democratic fundraiser, the idea that, um, you know, a a week after announcing the launching of FTX, the democratic party and their largest donors were the very first. uh, And Abraham Lincoln and John Kennedy's secretary had the same name. I'm, I'm messing with you. I I think, cause I I do think that you can tell that story as a cynical conspiratorial person. That's all I'm saying. There are enough facts to grasp at. So the other the other facet to this money debate argument, though, less conspiratorial is is in a more factual way is simply this: Congress, the SEC, and the CFTC have known about crypto since 2010. It, it is this is not a new idea or a new thing. We don't have a suddenly an overnight three trillion dollar industry. It's been 12 years in the making. And it has been a topic of conversation, but there's been no action, literally no action whatsoever until the last 12 months. That that correlates directly with no crypto lobbying until the last 12 months. Only in the last 12 months, uh, you know, sure, maybe outside of that 18 months, but very, very little sparse action has been taken around money actually coming into DC. So I won't call it an inside job, but um, it is interesting in terms of the structural interests of certain organizations where you never let a uh, a catastrophe go to waste or what is it that Rahm Emanuel yeah. said sort of you a thing? never let a disaster go to waste. Right. And, and so in some ways, if you think about it, um, if you're at the SEC and some of this stuff happens, you know, uh, the reaction of um, either the big government side being Democrats or the law and order side being Republicans, you probably stand to get more funding, more attention. It's not so pernicious that if you work for the National Institutes for Health that you don't want diseases to be cured. But there is kind of this like structural interest in some ways. If you if you are a, a, a lifer at the SEC, you kind of want stuff to like regulate yeah well otherwise you're out of business well i i I think that there's an actual real turf war that's created between the cftc and the sec i think we've seen that play out where they're literally like no crypto should be regulated by us no crypto should be regulated by us right that's driven by political appointees who are appointed by the president and their goal is as a political appointee to show and demonstrate their authority and their swelling, you know, agencies in areas of regulatory control. And in the short to midterm, which is all that we as humans have to live, if you're a career-minded person working at either of those places, the controversy of it and the turf war of it in the short to midterm is going to mean more funding for both. That's it. 
I mean, that, that's literally it. It's they get to expand their budgets. And a political appointee at the end of the day, what do they get to say? Oh, they took action against Tornado Cash. They helped grow the SEC. They And guess what? They get to move on to a Fed Reserve position or they get to move on to some, you know, whatever the next. And when they're telling know, the story chair. about what they do and their role at a lower information audience. So when they're at the Thanksgiving table and, you know, they're throwing some shade at the other side that didn't do something and they're framing and justifying what they're doing as, you know, doing the, the most ethical work, you know that the rest of the family is there. Oh, well, you know, they want to be um, solved. They want yeah. to know that their family members are on the good side of things. So everybody with an involvement in this is framing to their immediate social networks that, um, you know, they are doing all that they can do. Yeah. And I, I mean, I blame the, the FT, FTX debacle squarely on the sec um the fact that they have to retroactively say oh yes uh, things need to be done it demonstrates that they that they didn't an interesting tidbit is there was a division of ftx which was being regulated the ftx derivatives they were um they were an, an entity obviously of ftx uh, regulated by the cftc the FTX derivatives has full reserves, has full full you know funding. They've been totally compliant because the CFTC has regulated them and forced them to do so. The SEC has been totally negligent in an area that they, for the last 10 years, have claimed they have oversight on and yet multiple times now have done nothing. Yeah, things that, things that are watched do perform... Better. And that's true not only in government oversight, but that's true in the private sector. You know, there are some of those wonderful studies about uh, do people, you know, uh, perform better in the office if it's hot or it's cold. And, uh, you know, you make all these like little adjustments. And if people know that what they're doing is being measured, they improve and they, they keep improving. You know, sunlight is the best disinfectant in many ways. Um Again, I'm okay with some of some of the reactive stuff because if you're proactive, you know, that can be violative of other democratic values that we have, lowercase d. Um, and but you're right though, to the extent that one of the things that's really, really awful about reactive legislation is uh, a lot of times it overly describes or um carves out a certain specific type of company, like some of the big box legislation that you have yeah. in zoning yeah. where it's like, you know, the, the minimums for this or for that, or the maximums. I mean, they're talking about Walmart. Exactly. And when you design a law around Walmart, if you design a law regulation around FTX, you're wasting your time. Well, you, I mean, so this is a great illustration in the real estate world, because this is true. You know, even at the, even at the state and local level, uh, they hear about Walmart perhaps looking in their area. They rush to create some sort of zoning regulations, which Walmart ultimately ends up passing. You know, it says saying like, "Oh, we're not going to work in your town." And unfortunately, the town now for the next decade has this oppressive regulation, which is keeping the small guy from being able to operate and function in a way that he can, and has to play to these Walmart standards now. It's a disaster. Reactive regulation is almost always. Uh, created to solve one specific issue. So for me, what I would say the most proactive thing to do, like I'm always looking for um, Congress to do more, like clearly make it 
illegal to do certain things or incentivize or disincentivize certain things. I'm always looking for congressional action over uh, the administrative state. So for me, the most proactive way to clean up some of this stuff is to elect thoughtful, policy-minded politicians. And it's going to be a while before we have an even number year. We just had uh, elections. So it's going to be some time before we have the opportunity to weigh in on who we have in Congress. I do know that some of what we're going to be doing is evaluating uh, that next Congress and determining some of the fresh faces and you know who is the most up on this stuff because this is a this is an opportunity for us to take a look at the talent pool that we have in the Congress. You know who's up to understand and improve an industry that we care very much about. Yeah, no, I think there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot that that happens here, um, especially in light of uh, our first presidential candidate already announcing his uh, candidacy. So the the season for the the presidential campaign has officially opened. And uh, is only going to get um, more and more heated as we move forward. In in the backdrop of that that spectacle will be you know the work that Congress does, the work the Senate does, you know. So there, I don't know. There's it's going to be a lot that is going to occurring, especially around crypto regulation, especially around how they're going to handle this FTX situation. Um, what other situations in the next two years are going to occur? Uh, I would be willing to. To, to wager that there will be more crypto companies who will also uh, be having insolvency issues um, and and there'll be more work, I, I think, to do from a lawmaker's perspective. So uh, lots of things to uh, to consider. We want to thank uh, Electo Analytics for supporting us in this, uh, in this episode. And I want to thank you, the listener, for uh, participating and coming along with us. We'd love to hear from you if you have comments or uh, even questions, things like that. We're very easily found on uh, LinkedIn under Lexicon Crypto, or you can visit our website, www.lexiconcrypto.com.